0: Good morning. Good morning. I greet everyone in the name of Christ. We can be here together in honor of our Maker. Uh, before the message that starts for prayer, let's pray. Thank you, God, for your presence with us today, that you are with all your people throughout the world during this um, time of the week when when people are coming to you especially in in groups and I pray for those that are meeting in small groups because of because of opposition that you would bless them or two or three are gathered together throughout the world thank you for your presence with us here and, and the freedoms that we are able to experience here thank you for the privilege of meeting publicly in this public building and I pray that we would honor the governments that you have put in place over us. And remember that our citizenship is uh, in heaven and not on this earth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In school at the beginning of a class, they usually ask a couple of review questions. What do you remember from last, the last lesson? Well, the last lesson was some weeks ago, so uh, not to uh, make anyone feel bad or embarrassed. I'm just curious, does anyone remember uh, a point or a topic, uh, something I spoke about some weeks ago, the mist of a Christian nation, something that stood out to you, uh, just incorporated into your life and you went on, didn't really... Uh, understand I'm just curious anything anything. Yes. I Yes. Re- remember if I needed it I it to like... Okay, good. It's a good practical application uh, how we address the issues of the day in in the news, uh, with those that um, don't hold a scriptural view. Like we do yes. America does not need God. All right. Americans Right. Yes. In the song If thy people which are called by their name is not America. And if you think that it is, then you've probably got snake. All right. There's this big snake hiding under the we under the vines and the weeds. Yeah. Yeah, if my people which are called by my my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven? will forgive their sin and will heal their land is not America. Very good. Thank you. Go to anything else. Okay. Yes. Sure. Often bad government equals good church. Good government equals poor church. All right. That's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Uh, it doesn't quite go with the if my people, which are call by my name, uh, view of of um, government All right often that's how, that's how it's happened over the years right. anything else yeah it's not appropriate to um, joke about our and to, um, yeah, need to respect them yes political jokes yeah. are funny <laughs> but think about it you know when i say this political joke about someone in my close authority structure. Okay, uh, thank you for your response. I appreciate that, that uh, thought you put in, into those responses. Uh, the title of that message I was referring to was The Myth of a Christian Nation. And like uh, uh, Brother Dave didn't get us away with, there is no Christian nation. I tried that little, little thought experiment at the beginning. Um, and then I had a subtitle, The Church in a World of Patriots. Um, and that's what I want to focus on today, The Church in a World of Patriots. So, we're going by the assumption that a Christian nation is not a, a possibility. <clears throat> that according to, the, according to Jesus and the Apostles, no nation ever was or can be a Christian nation, Therefore, it's impossible for any New Testament era nation to fall away from God because no civil government can administrate the kingdom of Christ. But like it was very clearly said a bit ago in review, America does not need Jesus. Americans desperately need Jesus. And there's a big, big difference. It's a little hard to see sometimes. It's one of those gaboons that bites us in the ankle when we're not looking because of how it makes us think about the rest of the world and, and our, our world around us here. <clears throat> Another previous statement here. The government of a nation having laws that promote pleasant, orderly living is as completely outside of the kingdom of Christ as that of a tyrannical dictatorship. A nice government does not constitute a Christian nation. The amount of moral rot in a society is not dependent on the level of faithfulness of the Christian church within that society because of the statement that uh, um, David had brought up earlier that often in history, bad government equals good church. Good government equals bad church. Uh, that's kind of a general rule of thumb up through, through history. Uh, but I'll uh, Read a couple of verses from Isaiah 59, uh, 13 and 14. You can turn there, just listen. Isaiah 59, 13 and 14. And I think about these verses in relationship, in relationship to the country we live in. And still this lingering idea of maybe there is a Christian nation, of course, that kind of sneaks around the shadows. Isaiah 59, 13, and 14. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter. So it looks like society around us. Uh, and laws have been made that, you know, allow things that are clearly against the, what the Bible says Christians ought to, or, uh, that Christians ought to live by. And the question comes up in, in uh, mechanic shop discussions or wherever, wherever you happen to be. Well, what should we do about it? You know, conservative minded people, conservative in a very, very wide, wide sense. Uh, you know, are, are getting kind of antsy about this. Uh, what should we do about it? Some of you may get the publication World. Here, how many of you get this magazine? Or or, or can read it. Okay. All right. Um, this magazine is one of those gaboons you got to watch out for. I want to read an article... Uh, This is just this past week's issue. Uh, Their mission statement. To report, interpret, and illustrate the news in a timely, accurate, enjoyable, and arresting fashion from a perspective committed to the Bible as the inherent word of God. Sounds great. We could take that as our mission statement in talking to other people about the world around us as well. Interpret his uh, interpret uh, current events, uh, believing that the Bible is the inherent word of God. There's a uh, article on page three of July ninth. Uh, this is past uh, issue, and the article is lamenting the poor showing of the evangelical presidential candidates. Uh, and he makes a couple of statements. I'll read a little paragraph. In every vocation, in every calling, God asks His people not merely to wrap a Christian veneer around what they do, but radically to reform all such tasks through biblical insights and Spirit-provided power. Only then will the larger public come to sense that we are Daniel's in the halls, of, in the top halls of government, and not just. One of King Nebuchadnezzar's other dingaling no names. Uh, further on down, a presidential candidate who has thought through the issues should be with should be able, without mean spirited offense, to anchor his proposed program in the historic truths of the Bible, and to explain to the American people how such truths offer hope for a world that is increasingly broken and terror stricken. It'll bite you. Uh, that is a very, very dangerous paragraph because what it says is this Christian nation is reality and from a church biblical perspective. Okay. You've got to read that and say, wow, and jump back. Okay, uh, Because it gets you so quickly. If we had a better president, the church would flourish. That's absolutely false because Jesus said so. Jesus said there is no connection between the uh, legislation of the government and the kingdom of Christ. They're two separate kingdoms. Uh, if Mexico gets a better president, Cameroon will flourish. Uh, okay. They're pretty far apart on the globe, and I don't think they interact a lot. it's hard for us to see that though That's right. because we live in Cameroon you know, we, we live in, in this country we see it we, we see, hear the news we read their publications so the evangelical answer is elect an evangelical president don't turn the country around we have a gory nation again The church in a world of patriots, it's not just those Tea Party folks. Maybe it was, I'm not sure if they're involved in that or not. Uh, but the church of America, the uh, mainstream evangelicals in this case, are, are preaching uh, Christian nation and that government, the fall of government, is the fall of the church, which is. Uh, false. I think we're familiar with what the church is, thankfully, hopefully, we're part of the church. We're not a patriot. The church in a world of patriots. A patriot, according to a dictionary, one who loves, supports, and defends one's country. A patriot, the word comes from uh, Greek origin many, many, many years ago. Patrios. Um. And guess what the, what the uh, root word of patrios has to do with? Pater, patri, pa, well, fatherhood, okay? Patrius uh, uh, is of the father. So if you're a patriot, you consider yourself a child of your country. And who hasn't heard youngsters talk with each other? My dad's tractor bigger, bigger than your dad's tractor. In some circles, is my dad can beat up your dad, but you know, hopefully in this circle, in this uh, group, perhaps my dad's tractor is better than your dad's tractor. My dad's Ford can pull your Chevy backwards, you know, whatever. But uh they see themselves as a son of the father. Whatever views or values my family espouses, that's the right one. If you happen to have a different view, you. uh so get converted, okay? Uh, go sell your Chevy off in the junk, junkyard. But um, that's the idea of this patriotism. It's, you are the, uh, you're, you're a, a patriot identifies primarily as a child of his country. His country is always right. That's the patriot view. And he will use force to prove it. And the early Patriots, the Revolutionary, uh, yeah, uh, yes, Revolutionary War era, um, if you read the history, very, very dubious uh, foundation to stand on. But they were right, and they'll use force to prove it. And if you didn't think so, your neighbor, you know, you could, you could um, expect uh, a lot of flack from people around you. Uh, the loyalists had things like, um, you know, property damage. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't very fun being a loyal loyalist in those days. I think once or twice they dumped tar over people and rubbed feathers onto them and dragged them through the streets. Yeah, that's an, not, not a nice thing to do. Because they weren't patriots. They still believed that England had the, you know, was, was the government. And the locals said that they were going to change that. Patriotism isn't just a national, doesn't just have national effects. Even cultural effects. My way is the right way. They, insects over there. I enjoy hot dogs. What's the difference? Uh, you ever seen what goes into a hot dog? But my way is is, is the right way. Patriotism doesn't just come through Christian magazines. Um, This past school year, uh, my daughter learned a poem in uh, literature literature class. And it's a great piece of literature. I'm not knocking that at all. Uh, Very well put together. But the patriotism in it is just booming. Sir Walter Scott, my native land. He's a Scotsman, by the way. Mr. Scott was. Breathe there a man with soul so dead who never to himself hath said, This is my own, my native land, whose heart hath ne'er within him burned as home his footsteps he hath turned from wandering on a foreign strand. If such there breathe, go mark him well. For him no minstrel raptures swell. High titles, high though his titles, proud his name. Boundless his wealth as wish can claim. Despite those titles power and pelf, the wretch concentrated all in self living shall forfeit fair renown and doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from whence he sprung unwept, unhonored and unsung makes it really nice 7th grade memorizing assignments as long as they don't figure out what they're, what they're memorizing But the literature, the poetry is wonderful. Um, and, yeah, like I said, if they don't figure out what they're memorizing, that's great. Um, they can use their skills to build other poems with better, better content. But we must identify patriotism in that's infiltrating into our lives and, and push back. Uh, even aside from the Christian country idea. Since the kingdom of Christ is not bounded by political or geographical lines, Christ's followers have no claim on any particular political or geographical area on earth. Uh, Hebrews thirteen fourteen, familiar verse, for we have here no continuing city. Not here, but we seek one to come. So beware of this is my own, my native land. So the church in a world of patriots, and patriotism, I'm talking about uh, the the, the belief or the feeling that um, my country is special, like your family is special to you, hopefully. Uh, My country is special. God does not prosper a nation just because your ancestors have lived within its borders for generations. whether you are Sir Walter Scott or uh, someone here today. Nostalgia is really strong in humans. We like to have a uh, background. Um, and and that it's fine to, to, to have background. It's not just... Uh, we aren't used to being nomads, I guess, like Abraham was. You lived in Bethel for a while and then you go live in... Uh, over against AI for a while, and we move around. We'll uh, get okay, an area I'm familiar with. I might get lost on the roads if I don't drive them regularly. So it's nice to know where you're going. Um, but we need to be careful that we don't claim this land uh, for ourselves. But that we accept whatever government happens to be over us. Uh, Another question, maybe a little side trip, not quite. Uh, how do Christians know if a government is legitimate? Over the years, there have been swap, government swap-outs uh, fairly rapidly sometimes. <clears throat> now, we're not really familiar with that, thankfully, and it gives a peaceful setting to live in, which I'm grateful for. Um, but the, the message on the, the uh, uh, myth of a Christian nation they talked about the Roman emperors at the time of Christ and the apostles. Uh, and now they um, swapped out by uh, unnatural causes, kill, killing and murdering, murdering each other. So what if uh, A poisons B, some government leader, the leader of the country, A poisons B, who imprisons D, who is defeated in a rigged election by... See, i got my letters crossed there. Here, A poisons B, who imprisons C, who is defeated in a rigged election by D. Now, who is the government? Uh, and this occurs in, in less stable areas of the world quite frequently, I, I, I read. <laughs> uh, governments pushing and shoving, and, and you know, one year we have one, next year we have another one. So as a, as a Christian in, in, in a country that does government swap outs, um, Maybe ours will do do that as well within our lifetime. What constitutes a a, a, a legitimate government? Well, I think according to Jesus' example, it would be the one who collects the taxes. If a government is well enough established in your area that they can collect taxes, that's the government we should pay taxes to. If two governments collect taxes, try to pay them both. That's what the uh, Jews were doing. They were paid. These Israelite like taxes. They paid the Roman taxes. Okay. Uh, the one that enforces the law. Uh, and again, we, we haven't had experience with this. But in the Revolutionary War, the British moved back and forth. Civil War, North and South moved back and forth. And sometimes a, whole, a city or an area would become under, come under the control of, of uh, one side or the other. And so the, the uh, policemen were the soldiers of whatever side happened to be there. Uh, so you obeyed their laws uh, with respect as a, as a child of God, with respect, with honor, with deference, um, even though they just burned your barn down. Um, and there are uh, accounts of, of those through the San Diego Valley. In Valley of my Heart, We read those books, that book. A government, again, doesn't have to be nice to be real. It just has to be a government. Uh, it's a real government. Um, because this country isn't ours as Christians, as uh, uh, God's people, it's not our country any more than Cameroon is our country. Uh, Would you live here? Yes. Uh, Would you have some privileges because we live here? Yes. Like the Apostle Paul in, in Acts, he used his citizenship privileges to, uh, to his advantage. He did at times. Uh, but he held his citizenship very lightly. There are about two hundred uh, almost about two hundred, no less maybe uh, current rural governments, uh, sovereign states, they call them. Um, but remember, one government is just as legitimate as another, and this gets a little hard to swallow, perhaps. Um, so let's say the Islamic state is overrunning Syria and there are Christians scattered through the Middle East. So, who do they pay taxes to? Do they pay taxes to ISIS? Sure. Pay taxes requires them, requires taxes. I don't know what their, what their taxation policies are. I think they kind of come just yet. But, um, Governments that aren't nice, governments that are belligerent, governments that are guerrilla-style are still governments. And it's not up to uh, the disciple of Christ to decide which government is legitimate and which government isn't legitimate uh, because of how they got in, how they act, how they govern. Um, that was a, that's a patriot um, decision. And so the patriots of the uh, Revolutionary War era said, we have the right, if we don't like the government, we have a God-given right to change it. But that's their government. Our government is is, um, in heaven. So, when you hear in the news that Russia has annexed Crimea uh, Crimea, and wants to invade Ukraine, what does that do to you? Putin he should he should be kicked out of there um, yeah putin's not your responsibility or mine. the leaders of the leaders of the governments of the world are under uh, god 's control, and if God wants to allow uh, uh, mr Putin to oppress, bother, um, disrupt society over in Crimea or in Ukraine or wherever else. Um, that's God's prerogative. It's not something that Christians should have an opinion about. Um, so, Russia's aggression. Saddam Hussein's aggression. And these are very, very, very nasty people. Very... um, uh, the effects of their rule are, are extremely negative. Um, a lot of killing and, 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 and bloodshed happening there. But remember, their government is just as legitimate as the Canadian government or the American government. Uh, one, of the, one other uh, situation that was kind of big in my childhood um, my grandfather had gotten bitten by the Zionist Gaboon. I don't know if that's a problem around here or not. I don't hear much about it. Um, but in my, in, my, in my childhood, I go visit my grandparents um, and the discussion would go to Israel, the condition of Israel, and how Israel is faring in the nation, within the nations of the world. And I grew up with the impression that at least my grandpa thought that if Israel prospers, that is somehow a uh, success for God's kingdom. Uh, <clears throat> if we go back to some premises that we've built on so far, remember that there is no earthly sovereign state that is part of the kingdom of Christ. And there is no Christian nation currently on the world. Never was, never can be. And so Christians should not rejoice when um, Israelite forces chase out the Palestinians from their homes and burn their their, their villages down. That's not a happy day. Um, and if you don't, you know, know what I'm talking about, then fine. I'm just this is something that, that I grew up with and, uh, and uh, has been something that, that some of the conservative plain people have, have gotten caught up in. <coughs> the Israelite government uses the same tactics as other governments that have conflict, uh, violence uh, in, in this book Pilgrims and Politics by Michael Martin it's a very interesting book by the way um, he recounts, recounts the uh, story of a family that was a, um, a Palestinian Christian family and their village was chosen during one of the Israelite expansions <clears throat> their village was chosen as the site of a kibbutz, these uh, uh, experimental colony-style villages, and people would move in and, and live here. Well, they lived there already, had had for many, many years. But they were, they were uh, the men and the boys were kidnapped and taken far away, I remember miles away, and released, and eventually they wandered back again, uh, and the, there were guards around their, their village, they couldn't come in, um, Later, then on Christmas Day, a number of months later, the Israelite military uh, invited them, the, the villagers back to their village. And once they were they, they traveled in on the village to get to the village, and once they got within sight of the village, the Israelite um, military started shelling their village. Once they got there, knocked all their houses down. They had uh, moving earth-moving equipment available to push their push the rubble away. Um, they just wanted to come and watch and tear down their village. so they went back went, went away again. Um, it doesn't sound like a Christian nation or anything that Jesus or principles of the New Testament church could be at all um, associated with. But it can be tempting. this idea of God's people you know still still being uh, God's people, and somehow um, a success for their for, for Israel's um, uh, civil expansion is somehow a success for for God's people. Um, I don't think we can find that. Uh, it seems that one of one of the places that the, that this subject comes up and it gets caught, gets caught in. Is in prophecy, um, because it depends on what interpretation or, or story you have um, once Israel comes to a certain place of progression, then God can you know get to work and do something once. Uh, but Jesus addressed this in his time. Jesus told his disciples before he went to heaven, they asked him again, aren't you going to give restore Israel again as a nation? and Jesus said. It's none of your business. That's not your department. That wasn't that one of those exact King James words. Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And the next verse then, But I have a job for you. But ye will get power from the Holy Ghost from Jerusalem. You'll wait, wait for that. And that is your business. That is your business. Uh, And it seems that Jesus was saying it doesn't really matter if the Romans are in charge of Israel. Uh, That's not your department. Uh, You just ignore that. Ignore the political scene. Ignore the political uh, pros and cons of different arrangements of government that you find yourself under. Or in their case, the patriotic uh, bug was coming up This is my native land. And and in the past, they had been God's people, of course, as well. Until Christ came to fulfill God's plan. God will use the government of your country, America or Cameroon or Israel or whatever. God will use the government of, of the country you live in to fill a place in his sovereign plan but the disciple of Christ must not presume to know the plan of God concerning the world's governments. It is, like Jesus said, none of your business. We must not take sides in the affairs of nations. We must not say, "Putin ought to go back home and leave Ukraine alone." Maybe God wants Ukraine to be under Putin for a while. He didn't tell you that, did he? Yeah, we have no idea. Um, and in the last message. Uh, I I talked about in Jeremiah 27. We do have a back look into that situation. And God told the prophet Jeremiah that he wants Nebuchadnezzar to come and be in charge of Israel. God's chosen people and people around them as well. And if they don't cooperate, they're going to be carried off into captivity. So just cooperate. Sit tight. And God said, I'll take care of Nebuchadnezzar later. But right now, I want him to be in charge of you. Uh, we don't have those insights uh, that readily uh, today. But I don't know that we have any reason to believe that God isn't in control of the government anymore. <clears throat> um, of course, government conditions affect people very, very seriously. Refugees' problem, as, as we've been discussing in the, in the church here, uh, is, is a big problem. <clears throat> it's not that, these go- that the condition of the government doesn't matter to people. Um, it's just that it's in the other department. <clears throat> All these nations and the complicated struggles that are going on in the world today between sovereign states uh, is not a big job for God to take care of. <clears throat> Isaiah 40, 15 to 17. Mr uh, turn there. Isaiah 40, 15 to 17. These are important... Concepts to let sink in. Isaiah forty fifteen to 17. Speaking of how great God is. He says in verse 15, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. Donk, one drop. And are counted as a small dust of the balance. And when you weigh your, weigh your flour and sugar... Make sure you wipe the dust off the, the, the scales before you weigh it. So, well, you know, who worries about dust? It's, it's not worth worrying about. It's not worth, uh, yeah, it's not worth worrying about. According to God, it's very easy. Just brush it off, and the nations are gone. And behold, he taketh up the isles of the a little thing. And Lebanon is not sufficient to burn, nor the beasts thereof sufficient for a burnt offering. All nations before him are as nothing, and they are accounted to him less than nothing. And vanity. Um, So again, the nations of the governments of the world are God's department. And they don't have anything. uh, Civil affairs don't have anything to do with the kingdom of Christ. We just need to to, uh, use wisdom and have to live under whatever civil affairs we have. So the church in a world of patriots. We don't live in Cameroon. I don't think any of us do. Um, We live in the United States of America. Most of the time. (laughs) So I'll talk a little bit about our relationship to our situation here, to our government. Um, Matthew six twenty four, Jesus has a very good statement that is uh, reiterated in, in other ways, different places in the scripture. Uh, Matthew, what did I say? Matthew six twenty four. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money in this case, and God. Uh, the same situation, can two walk together unless they be agreed? Uh, there are different ways you can you can make this statement. This Jesus was speaking about money, in this case. <clears throat> but two, anything, that aren't agreed, uh, can't walk together. And especially, you can't serve two things at once. You can't serve two entities at once. Now you can be helpful to two entities at once you know, in, in, in our everyday life perhaps but you can't commit yourself to uh, exclusively serve two things at once. And that's how the servant was had done uh, in, that, in those days. He wasn't servant to two separate people at once. No man can serve two masters. Governments Demand allegiance. Um, Allegiance is a commitment to uh, support their program. Jesus demands allegiance. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We can't follow Jesus and, say, John the Baptist, or Paul and Apollos. uh, We can't be be, uh, wholeheartedly going after two separate things at once. Especially two completely opposed, opposite poles of the field at once. Governments demand allegiance. Jesus Christ demands allegiance. Uh, to the point of, of loss of life. Um, continu- continuing in Matthew sixteen twenty four, 24, I was reading in verse 25, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his, lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So Christ is, is requiring allegiance, um, wholehearted surrender of your will, your decision-making processes uh, under his control. The whole world, whatever you have access to, the whole world, comes under uh, Christ's control. Um, that's that is how Jesus says you can be his disciple. <clears throat> uh, let me read you something here. I think I'm bringing this in here. Uh, if people want to come move to the United States and become citizens of, of the U.S. Uh, immigration, they have to make a statement of allegiance. And it goes like this it's a prescribed statement. I hereby declare on oath that I absolutely and entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potentate, state, or sovereign of whom I have heretofore been subject or citizen that I will support and defend the Constitution and laws of the United States of America against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I will bear arms on behalf of the United States when required by law, that I will perform noncombatant service in the armed forces of the United States when required by law, that I will perform work of national importance under civilian direction when required by law, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, so help me God. That's the oath of citizenship in the United States if you're moving from Mexico or China or Cameroon or wherever you have to say that and it says you have to mean it if you think you're going to be here and get out of it get out of the responsibilities you can't come Okay, that's allegiance that's, that's what our government of this country is asking of its citizens demanding of its citizens if you want to live here and be a citizen of our country this is your statement now, if you grow up here, you never have to get out and make the statement okay uh, but if you want to move here on your free will, that's the statement you have to make. Um, there are two clauses that you can get changed um, if you can if you qualify for for c o status uh, they will they will change those those combating clauses <clears throat> um, just like uh, we currently have the option of of claiming CO status if if the belief is established according to their understanding that we are conscientious objectors. <clears throat> this detachment from other uh, cultures even is so strong that uh, you know uh, Prince, Prince Harry from England? Little red-haired um, uh, son of Charles and Diana. Okay, I'll just do some an example. He's kind of loose footed, travels around the world. He's not married. About 30 couple years old. Uh, if he would like to come and move to America, he has a really long name now. And if he would move to America, become a citizen of, of the United States, he loses his, his, uh, written name written down. Um, he's, he's a knight, he's knighted. Say the sir in front of his name, um, Sir Henry. His real name is Henry, not Harry. But uh, Sir Henry, mm, something ending in David. Uh, he has to put all that off, and he has to say he does in a public, a public uh, uh, formality. Any applicant who has any titles of heredity or positions of nobility in any foreign state must renounce the title or the position. he must say this statement. I further renounce the title and say the title which I have heretofore held. And so Prince Harry can't be called Prince Harry anymore if he uh, becomes a, a, a citizen of the United States. Sir Walter Scott, whose poem I read, may not be called Sir Walter Scott if he joins the United States. He has to leave off his sir. He'll leave off his title that he got from nobility. So, governments demand allegiance. Uh, Very specifically, demand allegiance. Um, And so does Christ. No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or love the other. If there's conflict, there, there's, you have to choose. Now, there's this thing called dual citizenship. Um, I knew someone once that had dual citizenship. Um, I forget his name. He died now. Um, he had the citizenship of America, United States, and Ireland. He was a beachy minister. Somehow, his name slipped out of my mind. Um, McGrath, William McGrath. Um, I understand he was a dual citizen of Ireland and United States. Ireland and United States are not uh, in conflict, but if they would be would come to that point, you have to choose. You cannot be a dual citizen of two conflicting states, uh, not in not in practical life. Um, and dual citizenship is kind of a under the rug thing. If you read up on it. <clears throat> Uh, even the uh, United States government's publications about it. It's allowed, but it's not encouraged. <laughs> and uh, uh, there's some advantages to being a citizen of another country. If you, if you, if you go live there, But uh, it's not something they want to encourage. But it is allowed. Um, but you normally, you're, you're subject to laws of both. Um, the country that you're living in currently usually, usually has more jurisdiction over you in the country that you're not living in. But if you move over there, then you're a citizen of their country and you have to apply by, abide by their laws as a citizen. <clears throat> um, but it gets really, really fuzzy. But if there's ever a conflict, there's a black and white choice. You can't be a dual citizen then anymore. So the citizenship of, of the allegiance of the United States... First, you have to renounce all others, all other allegiances to other countries. You have to swear, or you, you may affirm actually as well, if you decide to do that, uh, to support the U.S. and you it freely. This sounds very much like baptismal vows. Do you renounce the, 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 the uh, Satan, your own carnal will, the flesh, the world? It's two competing oaths here, not, not, not an oath no, specifically, but two competing promises that are being made. You cannot serve two masters. On, on this point alone, military service is precluded. Even if military service consisted of going and uh, sweeping the streets, which it may sometimes, in you know, a cleanup. Even if military service never involved violence of any kind, the child of Christ, um, a, a, a Christ-following Christian could not go and, and uh, give their oath because they're two separate allegiances. You cannot serve God and anything else whether it's mammon or, or uh, government's now so my papers arranged here um the if you're inducted into the military you get to say something too maybe a state from memory here the summary Uh, you have to uh, promise um, under God to defend the Constitution of the United States of America Uh, and you have to promise to obey the orders of the President of the United States and officers under him Um, the United States President is the Commander-in-Chief of the United States Army military. And so, if some uh, strong evolutionary, uh, some some good uh, evangelical person would become president, he'd automatically be uh, responsible for the actions of the U.S. military. And I suppose Mr. Bells wouldn't have a problem with that, Uh, but I think hopefully we would. Uh, currently, there are, are ways that we can, we can uh, opt out from military service. I was very intrigued and interested by the meeting some, some months ago of the Selective Service. And uh, these were government people that administrate the Selective Service and that uh, administrate the decision-making process of whether we get CO status or not um, and they, they talked about the program talked about the how the decision making process goes um, it was very very interesting but I, I uh, learned some things at that meeting um, there is now a t- currently there is a type of tolerance being that is popular in the United States this uh, tolerating conscientious objectors uh, seems to me as it's a fad on the same scale as tolerating gays in the military. Uh, I didn't pick up that they're tolerating conscientious objectors because they're trying to embrace the teachings of Christ. Right? That's not the point. It's totally beside the point. It's because they're trying to be nice to everybody. And if you happen to be a conscientious objector, uh, rather than gay or something, you know, we'll try to accommodate you too as far as we can. Uh, that that was the attitude that that I I saw. Is the type of tolerance that actually gets us conscientious objective status. So COs are not championed because they're COs. They're championed because they are a group of people that that. Uh, um, currently, the government can stand dealing with them more gently. It hasn't been, always been, been that way in the past. Something else that came out very strongly was that government officials may not follow their conscience. There was a um, question brought up by someone from the floor. What about um, uh, women being drafted? And all he said was that, currently, it's not the law, but it could be after some legislation that was on the floor in Congress. Um, he couldn't have any opinion about it. He couldn't say, you know, I think this is a really bad idea. We don't, we don't, you know, we don't want women to be in these violent conditions. It's not even good for their own characters. Uh, aside from any Christian perspective. Uh, He has no right to any opinion at all about it. Um, He just has to to, uh, enforce whatever his superiors uh, give him to enforce. So this same smiling lady at the podium at that meeting can in a few years perhaps be the stern woman behind the desk that is sending you off to a, a, a military camp for training. If she would decide not to comply with the new regulations, she'd lose her job. She would—I uh, don't know if they're enlisted. I think it's a separate, not a military organization. Uh, so I don't think she would have to be court-martialed or something like that. Uh, she could perhaps resign. But they have no—they have—they have no uh, room for interpreting their own their own beliefs. Or following their own consciences at all. At that meeting, they just said, This is the law, this is how we would do it. And they were asked questions, Well, if that's the law, we'll do it that way. You know, we, we don't have any, any uh, say it in it ourselves. So, although the situation currently in the military and COO, CO conditions uh, are, are fairly congenial, um, we need to remember. That it's still a sheep and wolves situation. Um, God still has his people in the world as sheep among wolves. Um, I'm curious how many of you growing up ever pledged allegiance to the flag? Okay. Does anyone want to demonstrate how it works for the rest of us? We've got a flag over here in in the corner. Yes? Put your hand over your heart. Where's that? Where, 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 where's this? Where's the heart? Stand and put your hand over your heart? Okay. The under God part was put in fairly recently, 1950 uh, something, I think it was, uh, and seems to have been a reaction against the uh, Cold War pressure of the heathen Russians, <laughs> the heathen Soviet Union, to make sure that Americans know they're under God. Those bad Russians aren't. That's how I understand the under God part got in. <clears throat> so, Pledging allegiance to the flag. See, there's one convenient here. Uh, it's, it's full of symbolism. The flag is a piece of fabric probably made in China. Okay. <laughs> Uh, But the the statement that that, uh, Dave said, "I pledge allegiance to the flag and to the republic for which it stands," and there's the whole truckload of baggage comes along. Uh, And remember, allegiance is that you will organize your life under the direction of some entity. It can be a government or, or a you know other other entity. And so we can't do that and and at the same time pledge allegiance to Christ. So a pledge that we could support should look something like this. I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ and to the church for which he died. One brotherhood under God with love and forgiveness for all. Would that work? They don't like to swap it out. You have to either be in or out. Uh, And that's something else that comes up in this CO status uh, issue. Uh, You cannot get CO status for a particular war. And there are folks who have tried Try that. They don't think that, that you know, it's not moral, not morally right for the U.S. to go and and reorganize somebody's culture because uh, you know they want to buy oil from their country or something. You know, whatever the, the reasons might have been for these war efforts. Um, you have to you have to believe that uh, by your 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 explanation has to include that that all war is wrong, and you can't get co status for one war in particular. So when uh, the gentleman, the brother who wrote the book, "A Change of Allegiance," Dean Taylor, Dean Taylor sorry, yeah, thank you. When Dean Taylor uh, applied for co-status, he was in the military. I've read the book for a while. But I believe that's how it was, um, and he got the got the, the discharge. Uh, he couldn't have been complaining about, you know, the war in Iraq or in Afghanistan or Vietnam or whatever. Um, you have, to, you have to either be all in or all out. And currently, currently our government allows, allows us to do that. Back to Sir Walter Scott. This heavy punch for patriotism. Me and mine and us will protect ourselves against the world. I'm going to take a poetic license um, and, and, and twist his language a bit. Right. Breathe there a man with soul so dead who never to himself hath said, Heaven is my own, my native land. You have a dead soul if you don't have said, haven't said that, right? Whose heart hath ne'er within him burned as heavenward footsteps he hath turned. From wandering on this foreign strand. For him. No minstrel raptures swell. High though his titles proud his name. Boundless his wealth as wish can claim. Despite those titles power and pelf. The wretch. Concentred on himself. Living shall forfeit fair renown. And doubly dying shall go down. To the vile dust from whence he sprung. Unwept. Unhonored. And unsung. That is the biblical rendering of Sir Walter Scott's "My Land," based on Second Peter, one, ten and eleven. Wherefore, brethren, the rather give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. For so an entrance. Remember. And doubly dying shall go down to the vile dust from which he sprung, unwept, unhonored, and unsung. For so an entrance shall be administered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If that is your home, when you get home, they'll be singing and rejoicing. And we all, the church of God, church of Jesus Christ, meets from all around the world From countries, from Cameroon, from Mexico, from Canada, from the United States even, thankfully, Lord willing, Uh, we'll meet around the throne of God. And that's where we get our citizenship stamp, passport, back home.